Welcome back to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo and Anthony LaPanta come to you from the Bally Sports North uh, Studios. And Anthony, you didn't tell me the Twins were going to have a four-hour first game <laughs> when, we, when, you, when we were going to do right. this podcast. Picked a night when I was going to be in the studio and could have picked any night this week. And we chose the night that turned out to be a doubleheader with a 12-inning first game. And everything that could have happened to make this be a later start happened. Right. And then, of course, I'm a little late getting here. So now this game's just flying by. So this might be a super early podcast because Anthony's got to do some live hit and a post-game show soon. So starting this podcast in the bottom of the fourth. Um, so, Anthony, um, first of all, we, as always, we are nothing without our sponsors. And we got a very special new sponsor to this podcast. We do. Uh, Moe's Ice House, great new spot, and we'll talk more about it as we go through the season, but a great spot at Fogarty Arena. It overlooks the curling rink in the arena, so the curling leagues and stuff there, it's a great place to have some dinner, watch the curling matches. If you've got a youth hockey player that's playing in tournaments or anything, it's a great spot to go grab lunch or breakfast in between, before, after games right there at the rink. Closed circuit TVs so you can see what's going on in the rink. Mm -hmm. So if you leave during first intermission to go grab some lunch, you can see when the Zambonis are done and the game's about to start. Uh, it's a great spot, great meeting room, banquet facilities, big screen TVs to go in there on a non, a night when you don't have to be at the rink, just to go in to watch a game. It's a great spot. It's a good menu. And, and I, owned I think by a like great it. guy. Owned by a great guy, Jeff Moritko. If you're familiar with Moe's up in the northern suburbs, uh, same ownership, similar menu, not exactly the same, but some similar things on the menu. And, of course, his days in the restaurant business go way back to he used to own Maeslax over in northeast I didn't know Minneapolis. That. Yeah, that oh, was, so that's why the roast beef is basically very similar. Right, modes, exactly. Right? Yeah. And, and I had the Spring, I can't remember if it was called the Spring Hill or Spring Street Tavern as well. But uh, So as roots go back into the old northeast days, he's an Edison guy, been here forever. and is Coach a great, football with you. He, he did now, however, he's, he's an enemy on the football field. He's the defensive coordinator at Creighton-Durham Hall this year. Yeah, we don't play Cretan, but it's a, a rival now instead of a instead of a teammate at least during the fall. But the place is great. It, it'll be and it's a great addition to our show, and we'll get some chances to talk more about it over the course of the season. I think that uh, have you ever been to Moe's, the the Mexican place? It's kind of like Chipotle, only better. No. Um. So, but when you walk into any Moe's in the country, right when they open the door, they they go, "Welcome to Moe's." And I think that he needs to bring that to Moe's, uh, the restaurant. That'd be good. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, uh, actually kind of sounds like a Seinfeld skit, but it's, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but I'll yeah. suggest it to him. We'll see what happens. He's, yeah. His son, Adam's a part of it out there. He's got daughters that are helping at Moe's as well. So yeah, I could get those guys all on board. Welcome to Moe's. Um, September 12th is our next live show at Tuttle's September 12th, our next live show at Tuttle's. So definitely come on out. That'll be a fun show. And then we're actually going to do three live shows this month. I believe the other shows are September 19th and 28th, maybe, and I'm doing solo shows with special guests. I know one of them is the 19th because I'm going to be in the in New York for the NHL broadcast mm -hmm. meetings that week, so I know you're on your own for that one, yep. and I don't remember why you're on yeah. your own for the other one. Yeah, but. so the 19th is also going to be at Tuttle's, and the 28th uh, is at Elsie's. So uh, 12th at Tuttle's, me and Anthony. Um Anthony and I, I should say. Uh, uh, then the 19th is at Tuttle's. That'll be me and a very special guest. And the 28th uh, will be me at Elsie's with a special guest. 
um, which will be fun. Unfortunately, one of my special guests will not be in town yet. Um, he'll be sort of between coming in to look for a new place, and that is uh, Joe Smith, our new athletic Minnesota Minnesota Wild beat writer with me. We are going to be sharing the beat. We are going to be uh, sharing national duties as well. Um, I've mentioned this on the podcast. We are enhancing our wild coverage this year with an incredible hockey writer. Um, Joe comes to us from – he's born in, in Michigan – uh, grew up in the newspaper world, wound up in Tampa covering the Lightning Forever, has covered conference finals and Stanley Cup finals, has been at The Athletic for four and a half years, and uh, covered the Tampa Bay Lightning for a long, long time. He is one of our best, best hockey writers by far. He always just drives me, uh, I mean, honestly, it kind of drives me crazy, but it just is always marvel the quality that he brings to the number of stories he, he writes. He's just an incredible feature writer, storyteller, everything. And I don't know him as well as you do, and I don't. But it sure sounds like he has a great relationship yep. with the team. I just know that his writing is elite. When yeah. I've re- the articles that I've read, it's he's really good with yeah. the pen, or not the pen, but the you get it with the words. I, yeah. I think he's going to be an outstanding addition just in that alone, and we'll see it. If you can develop relationships one place, you can develop them every place. And I think this Minnesota club happens to be one of the easier ones with whom to work. So if you can become tight with guys like he did in Tampa, I got to believe he's going to quickly, and I'm sure you'll help him with that as well, yeah. to, to develop some ties and connections here and I'm looking forward to the addition. Yeah, and you'll love uh, traveling with him too, Anthony. He's a fun guy to travel with. Uh, likes to get post game pops. Uh, to begin to karaoke, which I know that's not your uh, you're, you're not big into the singing of the karaoke. One time, yeah, I've, I sang karaoke and. There's not enough vodka in North America to get me to sing again. <laughs> well, he is. I was a winner in a karaoke yeah. contest the one time I sang. Yeah, you, but you're good on stage. You have a lot of self confidence. I saw you. I saw you in. Uh, it was where were we in uh, Lucerne when you got on stage with the dance? Yeah, you <laughs> that's yodeled. true. I did. Yeah. I did yodel, but that doesn't count as karaoke. I, I mean, it's not. It isn't because of fright. It's just that I'm not a singer. I sang once. It was when I was in college. I didn't know it was a contest, <laughs> I, and I won the contest. And it, it let's just say that I decided that would be a good way to end on a high note. Yeah. So out on a high note, it'll I won't ha- it won't happen again. Speaking of Seinfeld, you just made me think of the contest episode. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I'm telling you, everybody, you're gonna love Joe. Follow him on Twitter, Joe Smith NHL. I also did a, a podcast that will be uh, coming out today on Straight from the Source. Um, and that is an interview with Joe and myself and uh, where we talk about what we're planning in terms of our coverage. Um, again, we're going to be splitting Minnesota Wild, but we're going to be splitting national as well. I'm still going to be very, very focused on uh, the Wild. I'm going to be traveling, uh, covering all of uh, training camp. I'm on the first five-game trip. I'm going to be at every single home game that I can be. If I'm not at a home game, it's because I'm doing some national story. So during um, the regular season, will you guys travel for any of the national stories or will yes. it be mostly yep. from here, just contacts No, I think both. I mean, you know, good news is that the locker rooms are opening again this year, so I'll get a lot of chances to go into the opposing locker room and bank features and things like that. But yeah, I already have one trip planned that I'm going to go to Arizona for that one. Um, but I am—we're going to be doing a lot of that type of stuff where maybe I go 
a little early to a city or stay a little late. I know he's already thinking of something that he could do in Nashville in mid-November. Um, and so it is going to be so, a lot. Yeah, I got an idea for a great story <laughs> in Nashville. Yeah. And I, I, I got a couple idea. ones yeah. for one in Vegas. And I have a, maybe a Arizona in, in January and February. Yeah. So I yeah. see how this works. Yeah. So it is going to be. I don't um, see you doing a lot of features in Edmonton in, Mar <laughs> in like February or March. Um, and then we're going to be each uh, probably covering each conference final. I'll be at GM's meetings, uh, things like that. I'm going to the NHL media tour next week, which is pretty cool. That's uh, one, uh, one star from every team. Uh, we'll go and meet with national media, and so I'll be there for that. And we get our get in front of each player, and uh, the, actually the Wild representative this year is going to be Mark Andre Fleury, um, but we haven't been given the full list of rosters, so that'll be next week. Uh, uh, cool, and I'll just begin that. That might be not live stories, but I'll be banking for the season. Um, and then uh, just a really a bunch of cool stories that I'm already lined up for training camp. I'm having lunch with uh, Jake Middleton on Tuesday. That'll be a freaking blast. I'm writing he, all these, he's entertaining. Yeah. So lately I've been writing these heavy stories. As you know, I wrote the Jack Jablonski story today. I sat down with Brock Besser last week and I'm doing a big Besser story from Monday, which was, is going to be a gripping story. So, um, I'm writing all these heavy stories, you know, Marco Rossi, I, I, I basically said to, uh, Jake Middleton, I'm like, uh, I need to sit down with you stat immediately just to write a fun, like laugh out loud, uh, funny story. So I think that'll be a hilarious one. I'm also getting together with Dean Evison next week for a Q and a, so a lot of wild coverage coming your way and uh and joe will be in town won't starting be early heavy October. in a dean evison story no there won't be that'll be more q a and the reason why i want to do that one is because you know like a lot of these questions that we're going to answer during this show you know people keep on asking about special teams and lines and things like that well we're kind of talking off the cuff what we think i want to give people the actual facts so hopefully dean will be revealing some of that stuff next week and uh it'll be a fun little sit down with him anthony well, and I told you earlier that I ran into a couple of the the wild coaches during the summer at a, a couple different functions, and I don't want to get into the details of what they're talking about, but there's been a lot of work on this and a lot of attention paid to it. And as we talked right from the start at the end of the season, their first comments were, our first looks in the mirror. What should we be doing differently? They're studying other teams that they think, number one, have had success, but also other teams that have similar skill sets in their lineup, which is really interesting when you think about it. The, we always talk about pro leagues being copycat leagues, and they are. A team wins playing a certain way, and other teams feel like that might be the way to go right now. But I think it's interesting when you start to look and you say, all right, well, not just who's got the best power play, because everybody, if you had Alex Ovechkin yep. at the top of the circle, you'd design your power play that way, but not everybody has him. So they're trying to look at teams that have some similar skill sets to what they have. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that isn't even the best power play or penalty kill, but it's one that you think, okay, what they're doing would work really well with what we have, and we might even be able to do it better with their philosophy. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see not only what's different X's and O's wise, but I think personnel additionally, I think there's some guys that we'll see have more significant roles on both special teams than what we've seen in the past. I'll tell you one, uh, one thing I was thinking about today is that first special teams practice that the wild have, I'm cozying up right next to West walls. And I'm going to be asking him what the heck he's seeing, because that's the one thing is that like, you know, I want to, I want to report like what the differences are, but you know, as, as much as I've covered hockey, He's still, I'm still a layman. Like I would love to know what a guy like West Walls is actually seeing on the ice in terms of 
differences and things like that. And uh, so that's one thing. I haven't told Wes this yet, but uh, no, but I'll that tell first you, special that's... teams practice, I'm going to be at his hip. I've always told people that one of my favorite parts of my job has been those kind of conversations. And it's helped me immensely in my coaching world, the ability to, to talk to even coaches at the high school level, to find out how they connect with people and then what they're doing X's and O's wise in every sport. And I've had so many nights sitting right down the hall here in our conference room watching baseball games with the likes of Tim Laudner, Ron Coomer in the old days, Roy Smalley, now Glenn Perkins, Justin Morneau, where you just sit and pick their brain for what's happening and why and how are they getting this hit or whatever. And for hockey, it's the same thing. When I'll sit and watch games with, and Wes is a tactician, a little bit more than like a guy like Ryan Carter is, especially when it comes to the penalty kill where Carts has a little bit more of the, maybe the way players are wired messaging mm-hmm. that has to get through. Mm-hmm. Here's how you can connect with this guy. Here's what you have to say to him in order to get what you want from him. Those kind of things. And not that he's not, a, I mean, he was a, he played a role too in defensive zone coverage with his best teams and, and X's and O's, but Wes is a little bit more of the on the penalty kill on defensive zone coverage that there's this way or the highway. Yeah. And, and I find it fascinating to talk to those guys and to sit and watch games with them. If we, if it's ever a national TV game and I'll sit in the press box booth and watch the game with those guys and all you just want to sit and listen and ask questions, but just listen. Listen to what they see on their own, what they point out, and and I think that's what makes makes great analysts, but it also does, to your point, it teaches you just how much there is to the game yeah. that you really don't know. Yeah, no doubt. Speaking of which, uh, Morneau and Perkins, their chemistry in that booth is elite, I think. It's really good. Uh, like super entertaining. Really good. And we try to maximize that stuff between them and and even with the older guys. Because I'm just saying like when they yeah, were together they last were together, week, but it was I'm so saying, fun. Well, we try to do that every night where it's – if we've got Glenn Perkins in the studio doing the pregame show and Justin Morneau doing the game, we'll try to do some things where let's hear from their two perspectives – Here's a pitcher, here's a hitter. And and whatever the topic might be, and we've had a few this year, pitching up in the strike zone is one. The Twins are really using analytics to tell them that it's more effective to pitch up than down, which goes against the years of wisdom in baseball. And to listen to a pitcher and a hitter then talk about it is interesting. Sometimes it's a topic where you want to hear different generations. So to hear what Tim Laudner thinks is very different than what Justin Morneau thinks. And we'll try to bring those together in a pre- or post-game show more than within the game. But I agree with you. The series those guys did together, really good. And these guys are both young in their broadcasting careers and are both, I think, really, really good it, not just with what they know about this team, but with how they're able yeah. to watch the game and put it into yeah. words. And, I, and, you know, I don't think people realize how difficult it is. I don't care how good of a baseball or hockey player you are. The second you go into that booth, it's a different animal. The totally bright different. lights, the camera, the earpiece, the producer talking to you, the gadgets you got to play with in terms of Telestrator, just being able to put a competent thought together. Um, the preparation is, is something that <laughs> typically takes a while for guys to learn because they think that, well, I'll just go up there and talk about what I see. Well, what you see might be really interesting for a few innings, but now what about a night where it's eight to one? Yeah. And and the next pitch 
really doesn't matter very much. Yeah. And so now it's more the the preparation in the background to make sure that when a new guy comes in, you've got some stuff on him. When a when a player's on a hot streak, you can you can compare that, or contrast that to what he was doing before. Mm-hmm. So all those guys are good, and it's it's been, I, I've told people this before. At one time, I sat down and I was I actually was making a list of all the people that I had worked with over the years, not necessarily just not like they were the sideline guy, but just my partners, color guy or pre and post analyst. So mm-hmm. like your primary co-worker and I don't know where the number actually would fall but it was in the significantly into the triple figures and so many of them I worked with them when they did their first game <laughs> and Wes Walls was one of them his first ever show I was the host of the pre and post game he's mm-hmm. he's doing the the desk with me and it was like the red light came on and he thought he it was a laser out to get him <laughs> he could he looked down he couldn't look up he's and and it was I remember Margot texting me and just saying, I love Wes, but oh honey, like just relax and look up and his knot of his tie was crooked and <laughs> and I re- and you know Wes. Yeah. He's as competitive and as much of a perfectionist as anybody that I've that I've known. So he was damn it, if he was gonna do it, he was gonna be good at it. Yeah. And he worked hard at it, but it was how. When I think back to some of those early shows, Darby Hendrickson was the same way. Yeah, Darby. First Dwayne time Rolson, he, remember first when they put him on ESPN two during like the playoffs one year? I don't remember that, but I remember Darby jumping in the booth or in the pre and post game with me for the first time, and and the same thing. Just thinking, oh boy, just yeah. just relax and talk like you and I talk when we're sitting exactly. at the table. And it's not easy. It isn't easy. Yeah. It's it, but especially for. You know, what? Well, that's hundreds of play, uh, like color guys that you've driven right out of the business. I have driven yeah. several, or at least from your right Although side. Although Darby, ask Darby about it sometime. He'll even tell you his dad tried to convince him to stick with me and do TV as opposed to get into the coaching world. <laughs> and here he is, and, and the he, most like tenured assistant coach right. in like NHL. But so it, this was back right when uh, he took that job. The year before, he had done color with me on a bunch of high school games, but also some gopher hockey games. And his dad was trying to convince him that stick with this instead, work with LaPanta and just go with that. You won't, you don't have the pressure of a coaching spot. Yeah, there's more, you go t- usually more job security doing what, you know. Yeah, you would think, although I have driven a few apparently yeah. out of the business too, I guess. <laughs> but it's, but it, it's, I, he and I have talked about it a number of times over the years when we've had some chats about our fathers and the impacts they had on our lives. And he, he's told me several times, my dad told me back then, he said, just you keep working with LaPanta and you guys will be doing wild games together someday. You go take a coaching job and who knows? Maybe yeah, this coach year. doesn't like you, or the next coach gets fired and yeah. doesn't want you with him anymore. And all of a sudden, you're looking for a job. Yeah. And and you know he was he didn't probably realize how many hours go into television. It's not as many as go into prepping as a coach with film study and everything, but it's a lot. And I'm sure he was just looking at it as just go do TV instead of showing up first thing in the morning to go to practice and then studying film all night and all of that kind of stuff. But it's worked out well for Darby. That's let's, let's be fair. I'm not trying to tell him that he made a career 
decision that was incorrect. I just do remember his dad trying to talk right. him into a TV career. Typical Twins-Yankees, by the way. They blow the first game, and then I, I walk in this uh, studio here to do this podcast. It's one nothing Twins. Now it's 4-1 Yankees. 13-52 and 52 Crazy. in their last 65 games at Yankee Stadium yeah. coming into the second game of this doubleheader. I mean, in baseball, you think you would accidentally. Yeah. I mean, the old saying is that Every team in baseball is going to win 60 and lose 60, and then it's the other 40 that dictate it. Right. So they're saying that every single team, no matter who they're playing, is going to go 60 and 100. And you know, so basically you're going to win 37.5% of your games. <laughs> the, the Twins win one out of seven at crazy. Yankee Stadium. It's yeah, bizarre. Yeah. And they've what's crazy about it is they've brought some good teams in there and still can't win. How'd they do at the old Yankee Stadium? That's what I well, want it, this goes back to 2002, so this is a lot of this is in the old Yankee oh, wow. Stadium. But it's uh, it's just it's amazing to me because it's not like the Twins have been the bottom of the barrel. Over this stretch, they have I believe the 11th best record in baseball, and yet they're the worst team at Yankee Stadium. Crazy. And they've had they've had decent success against mm-hmm. some other really good teams like yeah. the Red Sox and the the White Sox and the Astros. And for whatever reason, the Yanks have just had their yeah. number. Um, just to button up again, Joe Smith at Joe Smith NHL. We're hoping it's going to be his Twitter account unless somebody steals it by the time this podcast is out. Um, he can't change it till tomorrow. Um, I'm really looking forward to working well, with him. You shouldn't have given it away. Uh, well, no, but this podcast will come out after. <laughs> um, that's the plan, unless Brandon messes up. Um, but uh, yeah, so uh, but really, I'm telling down. you, what yeah, was it again? I'm telling everybody is going to just. Uh, I think they're gonna, you're going to love our coverage. We're going to be doing live rooms after home games. Uh, just a really, uh, just I'm going to be doing the Athletic Wednesday hockey show too at the Athletic, uh, which is going to be my third podcast. Um, and I just, uh, I don't know. I'm just super excited. I just think people are going to just absolutely love it. So, uh, hope everybody enjoys Joe and gives him a hearty welcome the way that you guys did me in 2005. Isn't it crazy? My 18th year covering the wild this year, Anthony. It is. It's, it's the time flies. And Margo and I were just talking about that the other night that I had gone to talk to some prospective communications and broadcasting people. And I've reached the point where as I start to explain my path Mm -hmm. and that when you start to add up the number of years well I did this for five years then I did this for seven years then I was here for now it's 11 years with the Minnesota Wild which I'm thankful for every every season when it gets started but I'm now the guy that I used to listen to when I was first starting out thinking well that guy's been there forever and it is. It's the the number of years and the totals and the as you start to flash back and reflect on it is really something. No doubt about it. Um, tell us about Moe's. Right, so we're thrilled to have Moe's as one of our new sponsors here on Worst Seats in the House. And Moe's Ice House is a new spot at Fogarty Arena. I've been a guy that was a youth hockey parent. I've been to those weekend tournaments where you're at the rink seemingly forever. This is a great spot if you're at Fogarty to swing in, grab some breakfast beforehand, grab some lunch afterward, in between games, in and around ice time, your kids are out there practicing, whatever. But it's also just a great spot to go just on a game night and watch a game. It's a little off the beaten path, but it's right at Fogarty Arena. Solid menu, great TVs, a cool big open bar area where you can sit. It's likely to be the host of the Donkey Hockey League draft this year. Uh, They've got a great banquet room off the backside. Uh, What I tell you now is on my first visit in there, I went with one of my old favorites from... 
the old Moe's restaurant, which is the pastrami sandwich. On a, it's on a pretzel bun, but it is phenomenal. So go check it out, Moe's Ice House uh, at Fogarty Arena up in Blaine. And if you have to have stay home <laughs> for your meal, then swing into Kowalski's and pick up whatever you need for dinner. We've had a few really good ones lately at a pork tenderloin there. But I went back and tried the... 40-day USDA Prime fillets after we had made them at our podcast live at the Kowalski's parking lot to try to match what we made that night because that night I thought those were some of the best fillets I've had. We had them again. They were good. They weren't quite as good as as what we made that night, so I might have to go back to Troy Schmeling, the head of their meat and seafood department, and find out exactly how he had his grill set up. Those were a little better. Even though I was the same guy grilling them, I think they were a little better that night. But it's outstanding, so check it out. And when you head into the meat and seafood department there, you'll be thankful that you did. Anytime you're going to have a great meal, you got to start there and go to Kowalski's. And here's a word from Bosch Law Firm. Hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call is always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Back here, Worst Seats in the House, Michael Russo, Anthony Opanta. September 12th at Tuttle's is our next live show. Anthony, since we last did a podcast, Dmitry Kulikov was uh, traded for future considerations. This is something that we've actually been talking about on the podcast all summer long, that Bill was trying to um, trying to uh, trade him, free up space. It was obvious the guys that they could trade, it would essentially have to be you know, Kulikov or, or um, Tyson Jost. Probably nobody else made sense on the team. The interesting thing about one on this one is I'm amazed that they were able to trade him at 2.25 million. Right now there are, you know, teams that are at or above the cap. There are defensemen out there that could be had cheaper. There's trades that can be made that you can get cheaper, but yet Anaheim was willing to take him on at 225. I never thought that he'd be able to do it. But regardless of that, Anthony, um, it is interesting now. It really affects the Wilds' depth. I mean, you know, look, John Merrill's not going to be back for the start of the year. Kalen Addison looks like he's got a great chance to make the team and play. Um, and then you have Andre Schuster, who's been, you know, uh, um, uh, you know, a six seventh defenseman his entire career. Six nine guy started his career with the Lightning. Uh, Joe Smith could probably write a massive Andre Schuster story. Um, but. You know, are you concerned about the the, the depth of the? No, the- I mean we were talking. Think about how many times we talked this summer about the paths to the NHL being blocked for the prospects in the wild system. And even though some of those guys are might still be a year, year and a half, even two years away, we were wondering how would it be possible for Kalen Addison to fit on this defensive core or into this defensive core with the guys they already had. So no, I don't think so. I think it's a, it's still a really deep defensive talent pool for Minnesota. And you, you've got Alex Goligoski signed. We were thinking he was probably going to be a guy that they would try to lighten the load over the course of the season in order to have more gas in the tank in the second half. Maybe you still do that with a guy like Schuster, or maybe it's it's a chance for one of those other younger guys, if somebody goes down, to say, all right, let's come up and give it a shot and see what happens and, and see if, in fact, you're ready 
for the bright lights. I, I think it was a deal they had to make. I also think, as, I, as we talked about with the Cam Talbot trade, you can't evaluate the trade until probably this season runs its course, mm-hmm. where now you see what that the extra cash, the extra, extra flexibility that that trade and the Kulikov trade mm-hmm. have created. Now let's see what happens. What do you make of that? If it means a, a trade deadline move, if it means another move before the season starts, if it you just don't know what having some of that flexibility might mean and we may and it may be something that never gets used and yep. and you sit I have a feeling he's going to use it pretty quick I and have I'll a t- feeling I'll, too yeah. the only concern i have back just to button up the depth issue is my only issue with it is that Kulkov during the regular season last year was pretty good he was good and you know he was you know, obviously had a, a nightmare game one and game six site. In my mind, he basically cost him the game. I mean, knocks Erickson Eck out and was terrible defensively, but regardless. And that has been his MO. He's always bad in the playoffs, great in the regular season. But my biggest concern is the durability of this blue line. Like, you, look, we could look and say they still have one of the top top fours in the NHL. But Jared Spurgeon, um, you know, plays, I mean, what is last year he played 65 games. The year before he played 54 shortened seasons. Uh, but he... He's miss he misses games. Matt Dumba only played fifty some odd games last year. Like these guys get hurt a lot every year, and they're not short term injuries. And that would be my only concern is now you trade a veteran D. You're left to now guys like Schuster and Addison, um, Goligoski, who had a really good regular season until the midway point when he started to tire down. That would be my only issue. And um, you know, but maybe his plan is to always hey leave enough cap space to go acquire a D if he needs it, but. That would be my only concern about trading Kulikov for nothing. Yeah, but I I do think he I think he's looking at those guys in the prospect pool saying they're not that far away mm-hmm. and maybe even a half a season in Iowa and one of those guys would be deemed mm-hmm. ready to come up and be a, a bottom pair defenseman. Yeah. Why not? I, mean, yeah. I don't I don't think that there's that big a difference when you look at those guys. And then when you look at what their upside might be, mm-hmm. the upside's significantly higher. Yeah. So why block the path with a veteran guy where now those guys aren't coming up here unless two guys go down? Now you're looking at, yeah. all right, maybe you're an injury away from seeing one of those guys in the NHL. As, as Anthony just mentioned, too, you can't really judge trades until we see it play out. Well, one way to play, see this thing play out is what is the next shoe to drop? Now... You know, where a week ago I was not on high alert. Now I really am because you have this you have this cap space. You have it feels like half the league. That's probably a little bit of exaggeration, but you have a lot of teams that are buttoned up against the cap or over it. And so if I'm Bill Guerin, unless I have something that I know I'm going and getting this guy right now, I wait until October 5th, 6th, 7th, make these teams sweat. And then maybe you can get a great player for nothing. You know, like we just saw Pacioretty traded for nothing. Sean Monahan, which I don't think is a great player anymore, traded for nothing and got a first-round pick, Montreal. Like, what if the Wild could do that? Take on a, a significant player from a team that's got to get rid of him and get an asset for him or get a really, you know, they only have 5.3 in cap space, but what if you get a, you know, you can get maybe a 6 or $7 million player, but get that team to retain half. Um, there's ways or to now trade a million dollar, million and a half, two million dollar player, and bring in a six, seven million yeah, dollar player. Yeah. I think it's possible. That's what I'm saying. Is I just think I think there's likely another move up the sleeve. But even if there's not, and maybe the flexibility here becomes a reality in November or December right. or March, 
you know, whenever. You just don't know. So until you get to that point, I think if you get to the end of this season and into next year, then it becomes irrelevant because you would have had cap space by then anyway. But let's just see what happens. And, right. and I, I don't doubt that Billy's got something else in mind, even if it's not a done deal yet, something else in mind that he thinks could be done if needed. Yep. Uh, let's go to Twitter questions. Uh, Drew Gorman asked, what is the actual cash Parisian suitor get from the wild after they were bought out. The money is in addition to the contract they signed after. How does it work? Well, basically the way it worked, if I remember is the wilds uh, bought them out for two thirds, four of years what left, they had left. Right. And they but got paid, not, they got paid 88 out of their 98. So they get two third of 10 million, which is 6.7 right. million. And that's why it makes a difference. Yep. What people don't, some people don't seem to understand is that, well, against the cap, they figure out the average over the right. length of the entire contract, but the players can negotiate whatever they want in terms of when the actual cash comes. Yeah. So it might be 10, 10, 10, 10, one, 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 one in a deal. And so for those guys, I think they were down to the point where they were... Yeah, they, they got were, paid 88 out of 98. So basically yeah. the Wild are bought out two-thirds of their final $10 million. So they get $6.7 million split into eight years. Six years, sorry. Double the length of what they owed. No, four years. So eight. Yep, eight, years. eight years. So 833 a piece, that would be, right? 830, 833 Plus they times get the ability to go sign another contract yeah. with somebody yeah, else. Yeah, like Suter gets his 833 times eight. But he also signed for four point something for four more years in St. Louis. So he actually made in Nash in Dallas. So he actually made out better. Um, Netflix and Kirill, um, that is right. Eight thirty three times six is six point seven ish. Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, cool. Wow. How about that, Anthony? Give me some kudos for that's, doing some math. That's good. It's not the most complex math problem in the world. I know, but, you got it was, it. but I did lose some brain cells doing it. Netflix and Kirill asked, uh, how many times do you write, rewrite a story? I mean, it depends on the story. I wouldn't say I rewrite stories. I rework stories. I rewrite the lead a lot. The lead is, and when you rewrite a lead, it changes everything. So that is something that, that, you know, it does happen. Um, you know, I, I just wrote that Jack Jablonski story the other day, that lead wrote itself in my opinion. Um, you know, uh, but there are other stories that, that, you know, I, I'm a meticulous writer. I, I've said this before on the show, Anthony, I'm the most inefficient writer in history. Like I, it doesn't, if I'm writing a 4,000 word story after every sentence, I reread from the top. It's unbelievable. I can't get out of the habit. And then when you reread from the top, you're constantly changing things. So it takes me sometimes for these long stories so long to write. Like I started Besser today and I guarantee I won't be done with Besser until Saturday or Sunday for it to run Monday. You know, I just, that's the way I would do it. I'm, I'm just, I'm so you'd say you're a, you would like to say you're a quality over quantity guy in terms of you'd rather yeah take the time to do it right than do it fast. Yeah. And I still don't ever feel like there's never a story that I feel is perfect. I would love to write fast. I envy these sports writers that just, you know, bang out stories and get out of the press box. I wasn't even like that when I was you know, writer. And now that you have no deadline, it's always like that. Um, we sold Fiala for Magic Beans. This is the name of this Twitter account. Uh, that's a funny one. I saw the NHL released uh, new COVID protocols. Will media be allowed in the locker room? Yep. Uh, Michael Johnson asks, um, do you notice any differences in your day job since New York Times bought The Athletic? Actually, the only difference that I've noticed is that our stories get, our, our really quality stories at The Athletic get on the New York Times homepage. They take two or three or four a day, and then they also tweet them out from New York Times account and Facebook it. So today, Jack Jablonski was the featured athletic story on the New York Times, which uh, changed the tone of the tweets that I was getting back from people, <laughs> I'll tell you that. 
Um, but really I, you know, nothing, I, nothing else other than, you know, we have, which I think was a long time coming. We have code of conduct uh, policies now where, you know, we just got to be part smart. of a big company. Yeah. I mean, I, and, and I think that we always should have had that, you know. And I've had people ask me the same question about our switch from Fox Sports North to Bally Sports North. And in our case, I have no idea what the size of the company really is, but it's we were a part of a huge company with News Corp and 20th Century Fox, Fox News, Fox Movies, all of that stuff. And then the regional sports were just a part of it. And now we were sold, we're actually sold to Sinclair Broadcast Group that owns a bunch of local TV stations. I, I don't know if the sheer size of the company, I have no idea really if it's bigger, smaller. I would assume smaller than News Corp, but maybe not. But then, and Bally's is just a naming rights deal. So we aren't actually run by Bally's. It's just a naming rights. But I was lucky because they, for the most part, they left our the people intact. Mm-hmm. The, for sure, the people at the local level, I know they're, and most of the people to whom they report are the same that were a part of the Fox region. So yeah. it, to their credit, because I thought the Fox regions were really well run, had a pretty good idea on how to produce local sports on TV. So for me, I was lucky. Most of the people stayed in place and almost nothing yeah. changed. Yeah, nothing's really changed other than um, like uh, like even like our paychecks still say the athletic. It still comes from our headquarters in San Francisco. Um our, ed- our uh, Adam and Alex, our co-founders, still run the the athletic. Um, we did grab David Perpich, who, by the way, has a lot of local ties here related to all the Perpiches here. He's our essentially our publisher, our chief, and he came from the New York Times. Um, we, it, what's really cool is we now have an IT department from the New York Times. So actually, tomorrow morning, um, delivered to my front door will be a new laptop, things like that. So th- that so from a support standpoint, I think that's really cool. Um, Wild Natty Singer, you know who this is, friend of the show. John, uh, national anthem singer for the wild. Um, will Kulikov being dealt have a negative effect on Kaprizov? Those two guys were pretty tight. Kulikov was the only Russian speaker on the team. I believe I could be wrong. Um, Fiala spoke a little Russian. Zuccarello, um, Zuccarello speaks, speaks Russian. Russian. Um, I don't know how well, but but um, Kulikov and, and they were Kaprizov tight. were tight. You'd see those guys together quite often. I I don't think it has much of an effect. I think now that Kaprizov's been here a couple of years. All the guys like him, and it isn't just buddies with one guy. This is a pretty tight group. I know we talked a lot about team chemistry and all that kind of stuff. It's not just words. It's not – they truly do hang together, and there are larger groups than you'd think. And, yes, there were times where you'd see Kaprizov and and Kulikov leave a hotel together to go get dinner, but there were also times you'd see Kaprizov in a group of yeah. six or eight other guys. And you see it on social media. Kaprizov hangs out with everybody on the team. Gregory Digg Jr., I don't know if he's related to Alexander Digg, um, asked, what, ch- what changed that you have diamond status uh, now suddenly that you didn't have before? It's probably that I did cover the Eastern Conference Final and the Stanley Cup Final. Those were a lot of trips between Tampa and New York and um, and uh, and Tampa and, Flor- and Denver. Um but also, you know, uh, you get status now based on how much money you spend with Delta and prices for tickets have gone up. So my gut says they're probably going to change those thresholds at some point if too many people are getting diamond. Um, I have none status because most of yeah, my flying is on you a fly charter. Delta, but you don't get any points exactly. For it. And, yeah. and I get no points, no credit for it. And I'll take it. Don't get me wrong. I, I will take it. I do have a commercial flight to these meetings in New York and. 
it's just funny how people, why don't you just upgrade? I'm like, upgrade? Are you kidding me? I mean, I like I have I'm never on an upgrade yeah. list. I'm I'll tell you though, being diamond now already. I like today I called Delta. You know, when you call Delta, you're like, you'll you know be on hold for 50 minutes. Do you want to call back? Every time I call Delta now, it's like you have zero minutes to wait. So I, that must be a special thing. And then um just even just uh Well good. Next time in, I, I have a question, I'll yeah. have you call on my behalf. Yeah, but like I you know, last week I flew to LA last second ticket, right? For the Jack Jablonski story. And I got upgraded both legs. That usually never happens for a hub to hub type thing. I mean, Delta LA is a mini hub Vegas next week, but already been upgraded. So I think that's part of the, the perks of, of doing it is, is being, you know, being that status. And for me, because I, I mean, you've been on flights with me before commercial. I mean, I never, I'm not a person that watches a movie or reads a book. I am working. And so like when you're in first class, or Delta Comfort, it is just so. I mean, frankly, it's well, you can work. Beneficial I, mean, that's, I, I joke about readers. our life on the charter, and it's believe me, I'm blessed and I'm lucky. I sit on the charter most flights. I always sit in a first class seat. They're all first class seats. Most flights, nobody sits next to me, and I spread out so I can work. and And I do on most of those flights. I'm working on the next game. When I fly commercially, I sleep. And that's it. Yeah. I put my head back and go. It's not even worth it to try to work in the the cramped quarters of the regular yeah. seat. Um, I know I've told you how much I love my Connecticut water treatment system and how it solved all my water problems. Well, no more water spots and rust stains anywhere in my house. No more white scale buildup on any of my fixtures. Just clean, spotless dishes and appliances. Soft, smooth skin. Don't I have soft, smooth skin, Anthony? Oh, I haven't noticed. Yeah. Um, and I have no more worries about contaminants in my drinking water. I enjoy refreshing drinking water right from my tap. Whether it's your home or cabin, Connecticut is the solution for your water problems. It all begins with contacting my friends over at Aquarius Home Services, Connecticut, and scheduling a free water test. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended, and that is why I always recommend them. In fact, they're gonna be you're gonna be seeing my face all over their social media here in the next little while as well. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com and don't forget to mention that Russo sent you. And here's a word from Royal Credit Union. Take the checking account challenge from Royal Credit Union. Compare your checking account to Royal and see why it makes sense to switch. Royal's checking accounts have no hidden fees and lots of free features that make it easy to stay on top of your money. You can deposit checks with Royal's mobile app, receive real-time notifications when transactions happen, and even freeze your debit card in seconds. See what other features you're missing out on and make the switch to a Royal checking account at rcu.org slash royalchallenge, insured by NCUA. If you're thinking about selling your home, now is the time, my friends. Over at Chris Lindahl Real Estate, they are absolutely money. You can get a strong cash offer. Sell your home stress-free with a guaranteed offer with Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Don't worry about the hassle of constant cleaning and home maintenance. Sell your home with Chris Lindahl today. I told you many, many times he sold. Actually, his uh, colleague, Jen, also uh, really was a huge help in helping sell my uh, condo in downtown Minneapolis a couple years back. So go to chrislindahl.com right now. Fill out a quick form. Receive an all-cash offer on your home today. No obligation. The guaranteed offer allows you to bypass the market and sell your home hassle-free. That means no showings, no open houses, no stress. Just choose when you want to move, and you will with uh, you will close with confidence. That is Chris Lindahl guaranteed offer. It keeps you in control. It's that simple. Go to chrislindahl.com to get a guaranteed offer on your home today so you can start packing. Certain restrictions apply. Back here, worst seats in the house, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta. September 12th, my mom's birthday. We are celebrating at Tuttle's with a live at 7 show. p.m. 
Yeah, I was just going to throw out that today the NHL came out with their national TV schedule. Yeah. And how about the fact that the Minnesota Wild have more games on national TV than, than any team. There's a couple other that are the same, but more games. It's a it's a testament to our viewers. I mean, that's a part of the reason why they local lose ratings. so many games is the local ratings are among the best in the league every year, and we thank the fans for that. I did want to mention that there's 15 on national TV. I believe 13 of them are exclusive. There are two of those that we will do side by side. So the, the national show would be blacked out here locally, but it's really, it's such a cool thing to be a part of a franchise that is viewed that way. Number one, that has national interest because of talent level on the ice. And number two, that has the local viewership that we do. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's why you'll see the Pittsburgh is every season, they'll get the max Mm -hmm. because for two reasons. One, they have incredible national or local ratings, and two, they've got marquee players. The Rangers, really good local ratings, and some hooks elsewhere. So I think it's great, and I wish we could do all 82 games, but we're down 13 of them. And I'm excited. I don't know if I told you this. So I went to the eye doctor yesterday, and late last season. Well, late last season, I wasn't seeing as well as as I had been earlier in the year. It was just... I wonder why. You get up in the... Well, so here's the story. So I get up, when you're way up there, I was like, you know, the numbers are just a little blurrier than I would like. So I go in to see the eye doctor and I said, you know, the last year I had switched to a monovision approach, which is making my left eye good for distance, my right eye about half strength so you could still read close up. And when I had first started, I liked it. But it, so I told him, I said, I don't know what, I, like the end of the year, just, I, I think I need to just go to two distance lenses when I'm doing games so that I can see. Well, he starts doing the test and he's like, he's kind of perplexed. And he says, well, I don't know. This is weird. And he said, your eyes, there's something weird going on with your eyes. So I share with him the champagne cork story. And he says, okay, well, that would explain it because he said, the problem is your left eye is like five ticks better than it was last year. And he said, here's where I had you corrected last year. And he shows me the thing that's blurry. I can't see anything. And he says, I'm actually going backward a lesser correction. And now here it's crystal clear. And I looked at him and he said, you'd be surprised how many times that happens, like a traumatic thing to an eye can actually make the eye change for the better Wow! because of the way it affects the lens. He said it it can change it either way, but in your case, it changed your eyesight for the better. So I might've just solved modern medicine. Everybody just that has bad vision. You just take a A champagne champagne cork cork to the the eye eye. and it just Uh, knocks you into back 2020. Yeah. I would not recommend it, but it worked (laughs) in hindsight. It worked for me. So I got new contact lenses yesterday as I walked out of the place and I'm walking down the street. I, I can see like the leaves on the trees. Yeah. They're not just like a big green blur. I can read street signs. And I am so excited for this year's That's games awesome. right. because all of a sudden I can see. Now you have no more excuses when you mess That's up. That's true. Before I, it was that the, you couldn't see. Right. Um, and I told, when I told him how I had tried to call games for a while, and it wasn't like I could, like the numbers were a blur, but they just weren't as crisp as they had been in the past for me. And, but when I was telling him about the, the first night when I 
literally couldn't see anything out of the eye. And then when I was throwing the contact lens in the other eye, so in order to read something close up, I had to hold it about two inches from my face. And it's I, let's just, I'm I'm hoping that this season. We have we can avoid traumatic yeah, injuries. Exactly. Um, I did, uh, by the way, uh, re-pull my calf the other day, but I did not go to the hospital because now I knew what it was. What, Guess how I did it? Out, well, that's what I was going to ask. Is, Pickleball. Well, no, see, now that's a legit sporting event. Yeah. I could see you pulling a yeah. calf muscle I got, playing pickleball. I, I got to the ball, though, but right. then I couldn't but play anymore. But you can't anymore. <laughs> pull a calf muscle walking. Oh, I know. Well, you yeah, can't. Well, you, you just can't. I can. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't think you can. Yeah. I then, think you'd have to be walking up like a yeah. really steep hill or walking yeah. at a lightning speed or something. Calf muscles just, I don't think they work that way. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, John Zavarol asks, uh, who do you think is the player that will make the biggest leap this year and why? It's actually, a, I think, a very tough question, Anthony, because so many guys had career years last year. We had this question last week, I think. and what Maybe I had didn't erase last week's questions. The guy that, that I think this year could make the biggest leap would be the two obvious ones are Marco Rossi because he didn't really play last year, Matt Boldy because he's playing a full season. But I think if you throw those guys out and you just say out of the guys who were here the whole year, I think Jordan Greenway is the guy that takes a leap. And remember, yeah. he started so slowly last year. But I will say he then, he's had he just had a second surgery. I was told, and and he, and he might be delayed to start. Yeah. But I I'd just say from. Assuming that if we start it from whenever he returns to the lineup, I think we'll see a guy take a step. I thought he matured a lot last year as a both on and off the ice player. I think he became a much more relied upon part of this team and uh -huh. seemed to thrive in that. I really think we're we're about to see that guy take the next step. Health certainly could set this back if he's not healthy. But assuming he's healthy, I think he's the guy who takes the next step. Um, Curtis Connor, I can't wait till the shift is out of baseball. It's just so ridiculous that there's nobody on the left side well, of the infield but, on that play. But, Michael, think about this. Are you really going to start to say that – and I think the shift goes away if hitters start to exploit it. Yeah. If – are you going to start to tell him how far in the third baseman can come when he's in for a bunt? Are no. you going to tell the middle infielders how close to second base they can stand if they want to turn a double play? Are you going to tell the outfielders they can't stand deeper when a power hitter comes up? Mm. Baseball has been moving players for a hundred years. This is more significant, but they've still. But there's a way to beat it. Yeah. Hit 15 ground balls in a row to the left side if you're a left-handed hitter, right. and they won't shift you anymore. And that's it. Yeah. I mean, are you going to start to tell hockey teams where they can stand on defensive zone situations? Tell football teams that how close to the line of scrimmage their defenders can come? Mm -hmm. There's always an answer if the offense is willing to do it. If they want to stand with seven defensive backs 20 yards downfield, then run the football. Right. And they won't stand back there any longer. Uh, Curtis Connor. You're done with that answer? Yeah, yeah. I, I just had a comment that with no thought, I just figured I'd say it. Right. Um, Although I do, I do like that next year. So next year is the year, though, that they are gonna. You can only have two guys on each side, right? Well, you, like I, don't, you have to. I don't even know that they've finalized. I thought it they yet. did. I, I think, think they're, they're getting ready to shift next it, year. Like it, essentially, that you have to have two guys on each side of the of second yeah, base. Yeah, that I, just doesn't. So a guy stands one step from second right. base when the and yeah. what are you gonna do? Tell him that he can't move over there till the ball's hit. Right. I mean, what if he see? What if it's a breaking ball? Can he yeah. stand there and jump over? 
Um, Curtis Connor asked, do you have any sense on any players that the Wild might be potentially take on from teams that are trying to get cap compliant? I'm actually working on that story now with our Shana Goldman at The Athletics, so that'll be coming soon, not to not to blow it. Here's a good one. Tim Freitag asked, with Tage Thompson and Stutzla securing long-term contracts, the latter because of Ben Hankinson's mastery, um, does the change that uh, the way the Wild handle Boldy's next deal as of today? No. Um, they have not started talking to Matt Boldy and it's still, he, uh, Tim also says, are you still thinking bridge? It's gotta be bridge. They can't afford anything else. They can't do an eight, eight year, $8 million deal, uh, with Boldy right now, um, at all. So, uh, Jake, well, not to mention, I just think a bridge deal makes the most sense yeah. for him anyway. Yeah. Um, Jake, um, asks, uh, Minnesota sports obviously struggle in the playoffs. Realistically, when do you think this team wins a cup? I'll throw that on Anthony. He thinks that uh, something special is brewing here. I do think something special is brewing here, but to say win a cup is such a difficult question. I mean, I think I, I didn't think last year's team was likely to make a cup run. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have won in the first round of the playoffs. They weren't better than Colorado, and I don't think they I don't think they would have won a series against Colorado. But I think I don't think we're very many years away from looking at them as. What would you say? Maybe each year you start in each in the Western Conference with, let's say, three teams that you think are these three are the teams to beat, barring something unforeseen. And I think in the next two to three years, the Wild will be one of those three, where you'd look at it and say, if everybody's healthy and there isn't a major swing in some other spot in the conference, yeah. that Minnesota, Los Angeles, or Colorado, or something like that, are the the team. So then, you know, I, I think if you're one of those teams, anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And if you're not one of those teams, then it's a long shot. And long shots happen every once in a while, but not often. Right. So I think we're probably maybe three years from right now where we'd be looking at the peak of this core of players. Yeah. What do you co- think? Yeah, I agree with you. And that's when the cap hell will come off too. So well, yeah, then you've got the ability to add the yeah. the final piece of the puzzle, so to speak. And I think you know, we're counting on a goaltender turning out to be as good as he's expected to be. But if if he is, that's a huge piece. You've got a defensive core that'll have a couple of veterans that are still locked in right as the guys are right yep. now and be supplementing them with a younger group that looks like they're on the right track. Yep. I, so I don't know, maybe maybe the year after next they're they're approaching that but i'd say two and three seasons down the road would be the years to watch this club let's do some uh, quick hitters here by the way when do you have to be off when do you have to do we your got tees? A half an inning we got inning. uh yeah two outs i probably need to shut down <laughs> all right uh elon asks maybe i'll what i'll do is i'll finish up the pod and uh do some of these other questions elon asks how many players from the team are already here in minnesota i might be wrong but it feels like this is the earliest the majority of the team is in minnesota already to prep for a season um yeah i mean a lot of it's because they're a lot of these uh are parents and their kids are in school and things like that but you're right a lot of people aren't here and elon by the way sent me an email asking the other day for um, restaurants in Buffalo. You know any off the top of your head? What's the one we always go to? The old Italian place, Ralph's, or well, not Ralph's? I don't. I, Ralph's is okay. Is it Ralph's um, that I'm thinking of, or is it yeah, something but else? It's, I like Sinatra's. Okay, and it's a it's a little bit off the beaten path, but it's a cool bar, uh, cool restaurant there. I I'd go there. The Ralph's is a little more. That's the old school, like white and red and white yeah. checkered tablecloth. Yeah. I know Ralph's is in Philly. Uh, I believe it's Ralph's in Buffalo too. Elon, if I'm wrong, I'll let you know. But it's uh, um, it's the red and white 
Do it yeah, has yeah. the it's the like yeah, triple, red and white, yeah, like the tablecloth French connection rule. Um Buffalo Italian restaurants, I'm Googling. Ben wants to know what your handicap's down to. Handicap is just over eight, and that's probably where it should be. There was a time last year it was a little lower, but it was a it was lower by accident where I had a couple of really good rounds that I couldn't get chefs. off the not Ralph, chefs. Chefs, yeah. The Italian place. And it's uh but it's my the handicap should be better. I should be a more consistent player based on yeah. how much I practice. So Elon Chefs is the Italian place. Ralph's is one of the old I think it is the oldest Italian restaurant in the States is in Philly. By the way, what's it say about Buffalo when you say best Italian restaurants in Buca de Peppo is the first one that pumps yeah, up? No offense. Um so, all right, so there um Kip asks, uh he's asking about Addison. We've talked about that. He's saying uh that he has trouble believing he'll make the team. Uh, I don't see how with Kulikov gone. I think he's on the team. Um, Mayhew, what are the chances Minnesota ever hosts the World Juniors? They are going to be bidding with a lot of NHL markets in the next couple of years, I do believe. Um, Worm asks, um, how do you feel about the preseason game in Milwaukee? Where, where will the next expansion be? Um, that's a good question, expansion. Um, it, won't actually, be, it won't be in Milwaukee. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of Chicago's territory. Right. And but it sold out instantly. I think the did. Wild are going to be compelled to bring a pretty decent lineup, too, where normally on a road exhibition games they don't do that. We'll be televising that game, by the way, on oh, Valley Sports definitely North. Will. So it's uh, it, and it, it'll be interesting. It's the Maybe I can finagle my way onto your team charter. We'll pay. You have diamond status. Just fly commercially. Right, that's a good point. But it it will be interesting to see a game, not just in Milwaukee, but in that building. So it's it'll be. A, I'm looking forward to it. We don't do yeah. road preseason games very often, so that'll be fun. Uh, FN Realist uh, says, do you think that the Wild have learned from their experiences with Kaprizov and Huznadinov and maybe working to get Yurov over to the U.S. quicker? They had challenges communicating with those two. Look, it has nothing to do with communication. These peop- these players are under such pressure. Why do you think Huznadinov got no ice time last year then suddenly got a letter on his chest this year? Why? Because they held him hostage to sign a extension. And that's just the way it works. Um, so, yeah, they're going to try to get Yurov over. Yurov wants to come over, but who knows what happens in a year. I think that's just why pl- why teams well, don't. And they, they want those players. Yeah. I mean, that's they're, they're not NHL fans. Yeah. They, they want the best players yeah. playing on their team. Uh, Joshua Velshev asked, do you think Aaron has approached Boldy's camp on a bridge deal? I know he has not. I checked with a, with a source close to Boldy on my way here because of your question. Uh, team population asks, um, are you guys worried about the wild size up front after the gro- grief line, Anthony? He says uh, uh, last season's opponents would, would talk about how the wild physically wore them down in games and that seemed to contribute. I mean, the one thing I, I will say from a toughness. You can wear people down with yeah. speed too. And yeah. so, no, I'm not concerned about it. I think the wild, they played a heavy game. Their fourth line played a heavier game than their body sizes just because they played with intensity. So I think the Wild have, I think they have enough size. I think Bill Guerin wants a team that's heavy and hard to play against. And he would, in some cases, trade a little bit of skill for a little more size and grit. But you have to have the speed and skill, too. Yeah. I mean, that's what makes you hard to play against. Yeah. The grief line's heavy. But yeah. what makes the Wild hard to play against, what made them hard last year, is they had two lines who could pay, make you pay by scoring. No doubt. And that's what they have to have this yeah. year. The Rossi-Boldy yeah. line has to score in order to make the Wild hard to play One thing, against. though, I do think is I could see Bill Guerin at some point adding toughness uh, in season because if he thought last year's team wasn't 
wasn't big enough or tough enough when he added uh, Delorier. I got to think he's going to still feel that same concern now. Um, I'll wrap up the show if you need to leave, Anthony. Um, you can say goodbye if you want. We can finish this okay. half inning. Um, Kevin Sullivan says, um, this is what Anthony's like, by the way. He just, like, like you know everybody in that studio down the hall is freaking <laughs> out, even wondering where you are right now. And you're just like, oh, I'll just stay another half. Well, There's only, no doubt I'm, that they are all looking for you right I'm now. I'm only... 45 steps down the hallway from the studio. And, and you're wearing, so, a, by the way, a golf shirt and shorts, just to give everybody am, a little secret the, of what you're... This update is behind the desk, <laughs> yeah. so the shorts are I fine. was thinking watching your uh, watching the post-game show at Game 1 from my house is like, if I spent the number, the amount of money that you do on ties, I would want to wear a tie every time I'm on the air, and you're here in a golf shirt and a sports coat. Well, we wear ties during the hockey season, and but the new Bally's look is to wear an open collared shirt. So oh, I'll yeah. wear a dress shirt sometimes too, but without a tie. I personally like the tie look. I think if you're in the studio, a shirt and tie looks better at the desk, but yeah. they're the ones signing the paycheck. Yeah, like I can so see I'll it wear, at the stadium, at outdoors. The, right, at the ballpark. Yeah, in the studio. And I thought even, it looked it looked interesting. Yeah, and so for hockey, we'll be wearing shirts and ties, coats and ties every yeah. night. But And, and I am a tie guy. Yeah. I like ties a lot, so it's... It's uh, they keep the shirts pretty simple, but I, yeah. I do spend some money on ties. Um, really good question from Kevin Sullivan from a journalism one on one. It says, when you write a big story about a player before you publish it, do you let the player read it and make sure the facts are correct? Uh, that answer is no. Um, I I find it journalistically unethical to email uh, stories to players or anybody. Even that I'm if you're about. just writing a feature story, yeah. that's not you know that's I didn't, I didn't send related. Jack you know I didn't send Jack Jablonski his story today for approval. Well, it would put you in a uh, weird. You know, spot if what you know, if he uh, yeah. what if he emails back and uh, yeah. says i'd rather yeah. you said this yeah. this way uh, i mean one i'll tell you that was a topic that was a, a source of debate with him was mark parish you know when i wrote that Parrish story about his alcoholism he he asked if he can get a look at it and i said no i don't feel comfortable because then what you're doing is you're allowing that also person regardless of factual things to make things are correct you're allowing that person to change things that you wrote i'm not comfortable with this can you take this out and that was such a touchy subject right. i could see that happening and there are times where for sure I know you do, I even do before we go on the air sometimes, where I'll just want to confirm yeah. that I have it right where, okay, I want to make sure I understand this properly. You talk to this guy first, or you he told you this, or whatever it might be. We're not really in the news business, so it's not, it's not very often, but there are some times where I'll want to make sure, if it's a big deal, that I quote Billy or Dean correctly. Right. And I'll just shoot him a text saying, I just want to make sure I get this right. You said that the league told you this or yeah. whatever it might be. You have to deal with that a lot more than I do. But so I know you'll check that stuff. But yeah, I would never like we're not having an, an intimate conversation with a source that I'm doing a feature on. And he says a quote that I that I know the way it will read in print. And he might not be thinking of it because it's off the cuff. I will sometimes say to that person that I'm writing about, now I could write that, right? You know, and then that, and then give them that opportunity or her that opportunity to say, actually, no, that it's not. You know, well, here's an example. Remember last year when Dean kept referring to his goaltender situation as, as it's an easy decision, yeah. and I remember pulling him aside in the hallway after one of those, and I said, "You didn't really mean an easy decision, right? What you meant to say is there's no wrong decision," mm -hmm. and he looked at me like, "Yeah." And I said, well, saying it's an easy decision comes across as like it was a no-brainer decision. Yeah. Like it was, this was the only right yeah. decision. And, and let's be honest, that quote 
cost them Cam Talbot. It, but he said it again like a week <laughs> yeah, later. He said it and like it, a gazillion times. Right, and I and I I was I knew that's what he meant. So, but this is just an example of where like I'm in a different business than than you or the other yeah. writers are. That's what he said. You guys weren't wrong to quote him that way. I knew it's not what he meant. So I asked him in the hallway, and before we went on the air, I used his modified quote from the hallway, which was, there's no wrong decision. So he can't go wrong either way. And I knew that's what he meant, but he did. He said it, and he kept saying it. And you're right. I think it it led to that because yeah. it came across as if yeah. he was saying I mean, it clearly, clearly ticked off him and his wife because his wife tweeted, well, Dean says it was an easy decision. Right. So clearly they took it that way. Right. Uh, Cam and his wife, uh, Kermit, the frong asks, uh, what is the, what in the world is the deal with the reverse retros? Is that the league in the, is bumbling at marketing their own product or just that Adidas doesn't care how blah, 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 blah. Um, you're right. I mean, it's insane. The teams are frustrated. I hear on September 13th, they are having a meeting with every team to give them the plans. I don't know if it's because these jerseys come overseas and they're sitting on, you know, I was just out in Hermosa Beach in Manhattan Beach walking along the pier in Santa Monica. And I'm just looking out there and I just see, you know, cargo ship after cargo ship. Maybe they're on one of those things. Um, but uh, right now the teams are super frustrated because these things could be selling. The Wild would have loved to put theirs at the State Fair. I hear September 13th, there's a big meeting. Um, to figure out what's the deal with uh, with it, um, Rock NHL goes. If Kaprizov never game, never played another game for the Wild, would his number be in the rafters? Absolutely not. Um, let's see. Here's a good one. Charlie Sherman wants to know why are the Wild the seventh Vegas favorite to win the Stanley Cup when the team loses in the first round, loses their second best player, and somehow stays in the top of the favorites? Please help me understand. Why do you think? Well, I think number one, you got to remember. Part of it is because there's a lot of crummy teams in this conference, I, too. That's exactly what yeah. I was just going to say. Is I think there's two things. One is the Wild didn't necessarily get better this offseason. They set themselves up for the next couple of years and had to. But I don't think the other teams in the Central Division got better either. And a couple of those teams took steps backward. Yep. And I've been saying that all offseason. But then the second thing is what people have to remember is those odds are set to try to get people to throw right. money down. So if they feel they're, you know, if you got a line on a game, you're trying to get 50% of the money on each side. You're not necessarily saying, I think the game's going to be decided by three. You're saying if the line is three, we're going to get people betting on both sides of it. They want people to, to throw money down. And they're thinking that the public perception of the wild is that they're the seventh best Team in the NHL. And frankly, they might and be. I they mean, might like, be. But that's the one because thing. I sometimes people yeah. think about about star power when they throw yeah. that money down. And and so if you've got a, an inflated opinion, they used to talk about a, a Tom Brady tax mm-hmm. where the Patriots would be favored by three points more yeah. because people were willing to bet on them anyway because of Tom Brady. And so they would set the odds, and then they'd say, okay, now bump it three more, and we're still going to get 50% yeah. of the money on the Patriots. By the way, when are you on the air? I'm going right now. All right. <laughs> just, there's people panicking. I can already hear it on the other side. Um, right. I'm not going to be allowed. I just get a text reminding me. So uh, I'll be back with you on the 12th. Yeah. Um, but I will, you know, the one thing I'll say, I was just talking to an NHL scout as I was just driving down here and I said to him, like, have you ever seen so many crummy teams in this league? Like it really is like, like name, like normally you go into a season and like, if you're going to go to Vegas, like I am next week and say, you're going to bet a bunch of futures for Stanley cups, you know, you've got like seven or eight really great teams that you're going to say, yeah, I can see them winning a cup. 
like this year, is there anybody really other than Colorado that you're like, that team is a legit, legit contender. And I think that is definitely part of it. Um, Let's see if there's any other questions, and then we can wrap up the show. Uh, Michael Amundsen, my buddy Michael, whose uh, wife Donna works at Delta. Um, look at Looking at the road schedule, what road trips would you recommend for seeing at least two games? And, of course, I don't have the wild schedule on me. I'm going to save this in my file for next week, Michael, um, but maybe remind me there. Um, let's do this. Let's wrap up the show. September 12th um, at Tuttle's. 7 p.m., uh, come join Anthony and me, and then again, the next show is September 19th. It'll be me and a special guest um, at Tuttle's, and then September 28th, me and a special guest at Elsie's. All shows are at 7 p.m., but again, the 12th at Tuttle's. Please come on down. It's always a blast, especially at Tuttle's, where it's just always uh, packed, great food, bowling, all that type of stuff, grain belt, two-for-ones, all sorts of cool stuff. Um, again, please welcome Joe Smith. Um, I promise you all, um, that, it, you know, maybe some of you are excited that I'm going to write less, but, but those of you that are worried that like this is the beginning of the end for Russo in, in Minnesota or covering the wild, that is absolutely not the case. Our, um, coverage of the wild this year is going to be outstanding. Uh, we're going to be at every game. Uh, we have two really quality veteran hockey writers are going to be in town, both doing a uh, wild and, um, and uh, national stuff, but we're going to get Joe on the radio. We'll get him on TV. We'll get him on podcasts. We're going to be doing live rooms. It's just going to be, to me, um, just uh, expanded, enhanced coverage of the wild. I think you're all going to love it. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors. Um, Moe's, especially, for joining the show. Uh, Jeff is one of my favorite people. Um, Kowalski's, Bosch Law Firm, Aquarius Home Services, your local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments, Royal Credit Union, and, of course, Chris Lindahl Real Estate. Talk to you next week, everybody. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner That's the plan, unless Brandon messes up.